Michael Swickard here. Welcome to Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili is brought to you from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, which you probably know is the chili capital of the world. First, before anything else, I have good news. The 2023 growing season chili peppers in the Hatch chili fields are being harvested as I speak. Therefore, the chili roasting drums are fired up with that wonderful sound and smell of roasting Hatch green chili. In the fire roasting process, it takes a very hot flame. The outside waxy layer of the chili pepper is scorched to a char in just a couple of minutes, allowing removal of the waxy skin without damaging any of the inside chili meat. Also, fire roasting gives the chili a wonderful smoky flavor. A Friday quote since, well, today is Friday. Here it is. Friday sees more smiles than any other day of the work week, so wrote Kate Summers. Well, Friday makes me smile since it's one of the days in which I do these podcasts about New Mexico. Now, here is a strange but true story at the College of Agriculture and Mechanical Arts, which we now call New Mexico State University. Longtime mathematics and astronomy professor Clarence T. Haggerty on the night of September 14, 1914, walked to a group meeting where the object was to talk about science and also to smoke cigars. It was common back then that there was smokers where they talked and smoked for a couple hours. Then, here's where it gets interesting, after puffing away for a couple of hours, Professor Haggerty was walking home and looked up into the dark sky. He looked toward the south, and he recognized an object no one else had identified. It wasn't a UFO, no. It was a comet. He contacted Harvard, and those astronomers, con astronomers confirmed that he had discovered a comet, the first one to do it. Now, there was quite a bit less light pollution 109 years ago, but still, that's quite an accomplishment to look up and know what should and maybe should not be there. Haggerty started at the college in 1891, put in 33 years of teaching. He is noted for an odd habit, I don't think we should do this, of throwing test papers out the window of his office if he was displeased with the answers. Now, out at our family ranch, my family ranch, 16 miles south of Carrizoza, the sky is and was very dark without the moon, and I grew up with it being that dark. I know some of the people have lived under streetlights their whole life and are a little unnerved by the darkness, but no, I pretty much uh, like the darkness. Now, do, can I look up and see something there that I wasn't? No, no, not that good at astronomy. This is Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Hit subscribe to automatically get these. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have more here. Fishing is good in New Mexico and certainly at Elephant Butte Lake. The Department of Game and Fish had this statement on their website that I thought was very good. It, they said, from pristine high mountain lakes and streams to large reservoirs and lazy meandering rivers, New Mexico's waters provide some of the best fishing in the Southwest. I completely agree. I was speaking to someone who fishes at Elephant Butte Lake. He said with all this extra heat we've been having for the last several weeks, 
being out on the water is even more pleasant. And so he likes to go out on the lake. But know this, there is an entry fee to to be around that. And a fishing license is not required if you're 11 years of age or younger. And you can get a fishing license online at the New Mexico Game and Fish website. For me, who is 72, (laughs) 70 years of age or older, your fishing license is free. I like free, don't you? A little unusual history in our area in southern New Mexico. In 1876, John Chisholm, you know that name, John Chisholm. There was even a movie, Chisholm. The cattle baron, he was from the east side of New Mexico, was on a stage going from Silver City to Las Cruces. He was traveling with his longtime personal attorney, Thomas Conway, when something right out of the Old West happened. While the stage was going up a hill near Cook's Canyon, three masked men appeared and commanded the driver, guard, and passengers to get out of the stage and to line up. Chisholm had around $1,000 on him, but was able to hide most of it in his boot. I guess the robbers didn't know you always should check the boot. Also taken were some silver bricks from the stage's safe, valued at $4,000 now. As you wonder about it, nope, the robbers were never apprehended, and Chisholm did have an exciting tale to tell. John Chisholm, John Simpson Chisholm, was born in Tennessee in 1824. At age 30 in 1854, he had moved to Texas, and he took up the cattle business. And what he was doing was selling herds of cattle in the New Mexico Territory. The cattle were wild Texas longhorns and had not been branded, so it was anybody's cow. Sending them to market made Chisholm wealthy. He drove herds to Fort Sumner, New Mexico, to sell to the U.S. Army at their installation there. He also took cattle up to the miners in Colorado. He teamed with Charles Goodnight and Oliver Loving in the cattle business. Chisholm was a larger-than-life part of New Mexico history. He was a business associate of Alexander McSween, a principal in the Lincoln County War. Along with several others, he persuaded Pat Garrett to run for sheriff of Lincoln County with the mandate to settle down the lawlessness in the area, including Billy the Kid, which Pat Garrett did do. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, we must mention the 1970 John Wayne movie, Chisholm, a movie as in a work of fiction. A very well acted, a very well produced, a very very well filmed work of fiction. Fiction, not documentary. Enough said. I have the movie and have enjoyed watching it. And I do ignore the many inaccuracies because it's a work of fiction. Michael Swickard here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. Continuing with some history today, July 14th is the day 142 years ago that Lincoln County Sheriff Pat Garrett killed Billy the Kid in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. And 64 years and two days afterwards, July 16, 1945, was the detonation of the first atomic device at Trinity Site, New Mexico. Are these two connected? Nope. But the dates in July are close, and lots has been written about both events, so I'm going to talk about both historically. Both are important to New Mexico history. First, Pat Garrett killing Billy the Kid. 
One account of the last moments of Billy was written under Pat Garrett's name and had the account, I believe, the most. Pat Garrett's 1982 book was The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid, Noted Desperado of the Southwest, Whose Deeds of Daring and Blood Made His Name a Terror in New Mexico, Arizona, and Northern Mexico. The last gun batter was more luck than skill, though it took a lot of guts to go after Billy the Kid. Garrett and two deputies, John Poe and Thomas McKinney, went to the Pete Maxwell Ranch at Fort Sumner. While Pat was talking to Pete in the middle of the night, Billy came into the darkened room wondering who was out on the porch. It was the two deputies. Both Billy and Pat were armed at that time. Pat recognized Billy and shot him to death. According to most accounts, now this is what most people don't think about, what the majority of New Mexicans felt was relief that the lawlessness in the area was reduced. Good riddance. Not what the movie versions show, but it's how the rank-and-file people in New Mexico felt when they tamped down the lawlessness. New Mexico was built by workaday people who came, worked diligently, had kids, and out of the lawless chaos they had uh, came was the school teachers, the shopkeepers, the lawyers, and all sorts of people building the life that we now have. The farmers and ranchers enabled the society with the products that were consumed then and the products that were shipped and brought in wealth. What did they feel? Relief. And most people don't want to talk about that, but I don't mind. So let's talk about July 16th, 1945 when the world saw the nuclear age begin. At 5.30 in the morning, a button was pushed and the Trinity site exploded. Now, our family ranch was 28 miles from it. My grandfather was just getting ready to go to work in Alamogordo at 5.30 in the morning, and the lights just came on. They both looked at each other and wondered, what in the world was that? Lots has been written about the Manhattan product, and there are documentaries and movies. So I just want to mention a couple of things. First, those people living in the area, like my grandparents, were not warned, and afterward were not told that the cloud of radiation was in the area. Right or wrong, the people that did that, those people of that era, did what they did with the intention of ending the Second World War, which it did. I lived in Japan from 1958 to 61 and came away with several perceptions about the Japanese people and their culture. I believe they hated the war but were dutiful to their own leaders, much like I believe the Germans hated war but were dutiful to Hitler. There's lots of opinions as to if the atomic devices were really necessary, really, really necessary, but it's useless to consider because it's something that happened. The two bombs, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, were dropped, and Japan did surrender. In New Mexico, the problem was the radiation released and the health implications. Know this. The week after the July 16, 1945 explosion, in several downwind areas, the hair fell off the cattle. So those cattle had to go to market. They couldn't stay there in the sun. And again, the ranchers were not told for a number of weeks about the atomic nature. But of course, when the two Japanese bombs were used and Japan surrendered, the people in New Mexico pretty much figured out 
that the test on July 16th had to be atomic in nature. A very tough war on New Mexico ended. Remember, it was by accident of time that the New Mexico National Guard, the 200th and 515th Coastal Artillery, were in the Philippines when the war broke out. And eventually, those New Mexicans ended up on the Bataan Death March. If the Second World War had broken out earlier, or if it had waited a couple of years later, it would have been a different state's National Guard that were in the Philippines at the outbreak of the war with Japan. And so, you know, we, we just were unlucky to be there when it happened. I see the July 16th anniversary of 1945 as a sacred time of remembrance, and I'm thankful for everyone who gave their all for our freedom. There is the question of downwinder syndrome, where some New Mexicans feel that the release of radiation downwind of Trinity site made some New Mexicans sick. Me, Michael Swickard, I had a rather rare form of thyroid cancer many, many years ago. I survived, and friends, I woke up smiling this morning because I am still alive. But I take nothing away from those who identify as downwinders, those who are being completely ignored by the politicians. Over the years, I've found peace in still being alive. I per perhaps even enjoy life more than I would have without the cancer because I think of what it is right now and that's what I concentrate on. But I have no way of knowing. Kind of a tough remembrance, July 16th, but again, I am thankful for all who served. Now what's coming these weeks with the harvest going around uh, at the Fresh Chili Company this year, we're offering a special reserve release of Hatch Green Chili Veritol Big Gem in a 16-ounce jar. Veritol means this product will only be made with Big Gem Chili, which is sweet and has a medium heat level, and I will tell you folks, that is my favorite chili. Big Jim's very popular in New Mexico restaurants and homes. In 1975, Big Jim was listed in the Guinness Book of Records as having the largest chili pods, perfect for chili rellenos. It was developed by chili researcher Dr. Roy Nakayama at New Mexico State University. It's a hybrid of New Mexico chili peppers and a Peruvian pepper that Nakayama and fellow researcher Jim Lytle combined. Big Jim was named for Jim Lytle, who died unexpectedly at that time, and Roy Nakayama wanted to celebrate him. That's why he called it Big Jim. One thing that happens when people live in Las Cruces or happen to be in our little slice of paradise, they can come by the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7A in Las Cruces. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I need to tell you, we have some new products that I really like, and I think you will too. I find wonderful products. There's a local honey with hatch red chili that is great on biscuits. French fries are ever so much better with the Fresh Chili Company's Hatchup, which is a ketchup and hatch red chili. Come browse, and there are many more surprises, and there's also some frozen surprises that I assure you are wonderful. Again, from Monday to Saturday, the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7A in Las Cruces, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Saturday. This is Michael Swickard with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. 
We will have lots of news and stories about New Mexico for you on these podcasts. If you have something or someone you would like me to talk about, write to me, michael at freshchilico.com. That's michael at freshchilico.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili is good, more is better. Bye for now.